In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. This is episode number 25 with Russ Perry. Russ is the founder of Design Pickle, the number one unlimited and flat rate graphic design service in the world. Launched in 2015, Design Pickle has experienced unprecedented success helping small businesses get the creative content they need so their clients can focus on what they do best. Also, Russ is the author of The Sober Entrepreneur, a powerful book uncovering his journey from rock bottom and his commitment to the ultimate life hack, sobriety. Additionally, Russ is a certified trainer with Wake Up Warrior, the number one training program for men worldwide. He enjoys traveling with his wife, Mika, and their three beautiful daughters. Welcome to the show, Russ. Tony, thank you so much for having me. I'm certainly excited. I've been following Design Pickle for a while. I think this could be a great interview today, but the first question out the gate is for you. What's your definition of success? Oh, I've been thinking about this. Success is when you're able to live authentically and do and just everything you do is in full integrity with who you are that is what i feel now it's also uh, this definition is in juxtaposition of when i felt the least successful in my life which was i'd say the first eight and a half years of me trying to be a professional and everything i did was out of that alignment i was trying to be someone else i was trying to do something for someone else or seeking external validations whether that was in business or relationships and i never felt successful not to say that now i don't want to achieve more but i feel so in alignment with who god designed me to be and i think if you can find that that's your moment of success I love it. Authenticity. And you talked a little bit about like today, if we were to go back to a little bit of your childhood and kind of, what kind of kid were you growing up? Were you an ambitious kid? Were you kind of a, I want to stay home and don't go out and play with my friends. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, actually it's funny. I was thinking about this because I have a 12 year old and she's really growing into her independence. And I'm always checking myself because she is so much better of a child than I was. Like she's so awesome. And so I don't, I try not to get too frustrated just thinking of what my mom had to deal with. I would say I was the, the rule follower that just like broke enough rules not to piss too many people off. Like I was like right on the edge. Like I like to perform. I always did my best. I was really like with coaches or teachers. I was, I would put all my effort into it, but I was always like, you know, I think I'm going to try to do it my way, which, you know, not always turns out the best when you're a teenager or a kid, or I just was always thinking of like improvements or optimizations or new things or new ways. And that undoubtedly was the same drive that fueled me into, you know, attempting the entrepreneurship route. But I do know it caused a lot of heartache along the way, whether that was with my mom or teachers, or even as I got, you know, older, like with my family or friends, just kind of like always you know, like right on the edge, right over the edge. 
I like that. I like, I love the fact that you can explain it too. So like, think back to you being in elementary, junior high or high school. Did you have a favorite class that you just couldn't wait to have? Like, I can't wait for that day to come and I can sit with that teacher and be around my classmates. What was that subject? There were two specifically, and I love them equally, like more than anything. The first was actually calculus. Like I had the best calculus teacher. He still teaches calculus. Christopher Yetman, Tucson, Arizona. He's an amazing man, dedicated his life to helping kids love math. And that's what he did. I had him for three years, actually, because I, I he taught all of the upper level classes. And that class was always a challenge. He never let up on you. There was never you know, there was nothing easy about it, but everyone, it was like being on a high performing sports team where everyone was just so committed to doing their best and they, they really got into it. The other was art. I took a lot of art classes and that was my sanctuary. So I had all the pressures and the stress and all the AP classes and all of the things that were high performing and who's the first and who's the best. And then art was like recess. Like I go in the teacher, total hippie. She just was like, everything was a masterpiece, really positive. There's no performance whatsoever. You could be the worst or the best artist. It didn't matter to her. And it not only was that, it was like tucked away in the back of the theater at my high school. So it was even like physically, it was like a sanctuary. And I think it really helped me develop an appreciation for art, even though I was, I was never the best at it. No, I, uh, I can relate to the art. Definitely. I may not be the best artist, but I love the art of just having fun and putting something on a canvas or drawing on a piece of paper and just having fun. Yeah. Uh, Was there a subject that you were like afraid of, or you just, you dreaded going into that classroom? You don't have to mention the teacher because I know that, you know, (laughs) my mom was a school teacher. So there are classes and teaching and professionals that are still teaching today. And I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody, but was there a subject that maybe just wasn't for you that you just dreaded? I don't think so in high school. I was really strategic. I loved high school and there was a lot of freedom in how you were able to design your classes. And actually the senior year, my senior year, they implemented this, this, they called it block scheduling. My high school was overcrowded, uh, North Tucson or Valley is where I grew up. And so there was too many people. They hadn't finished the new high school yet. We had over almost 4,000 kids at our high school. And so what they decided to do is they decided to have like an A and a B day. They actually called it green and gold because it was their colors of our high school. So you had one schedule on an A day and one schedule on the B day. Well, when we were registering at the end of our junior year, I noticed that I could get all my classes on one of those days. So effectively, I was only going to school every other day my senior year. Now, I didn't tell my mom about this, and I think it got me into a little bit of trouble, but like I was the engineer of like the best senior year ever, and I loved my classes. Now, in college, I really had a hard time with like chemistry and some advanced level courses in engineering my first year because I was, I don't study. Like I hate studying. I don't have the discipline for studying. I never have. I'm trying to learn Italian right now and I suck because I'm not (laughs) studying. So those classes, any class that required studying, I just get tons of anxiety around. And even still today, this morning, I have my Italian lesson with a really cool site called Verbling. You can like book international tutors. And I'm just like, dude, like it's like, I'm like sweating. I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't want to do it. Should I cancel? No, I canceled my last one. And because it has to do with studying, which is like my nemesis. You know, it's so funny because my wife and I are planning to move to Italy at the end of 2019 and we're going to live there for like three and four months at a year at a time. And 
So uh, Italian, everybody asks me, so Tony, like you drink Pellegrino all the time. You've been to Italy like 10 times in the last two years. Like, how's your Italian? I'm like, what? <laughs> I get enough to get by, right? Like just enough. But I love the fact and I appreciate you mentioning that website. So we'll put it in the show notes. It's um, awesome. And it's like 20 bucks at the most. Like you can find an Italian teacher for like 10 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. My teacher's $22 an hour and she's like the highest paid teacher on there. And she's amazing. I'll, Tony, I'll intro you to her. You should definitely do it if you're going to move there. It's really cool. No, I appreciate it. And it'd be so great because we're going there in a few months. So no, this is all about you, but I appreciate you sharing <laughs> that. That's just great. Like I told you before the show, there's a lot of things we're going to figure out about each other that we're kind of like on the same pace. So I love it. So one of the things that I'd love to know is, so like after high school, what did your life look like? What was kind of your ambition for uh, moving forward? It was number one, get the hell out of my house. Like I was at such odds emotionally with my mom. Another similarity with you, Tony, she's also a teacher. She's just turned 60 this week and has been teaching elementary school for over 30 years. But she and I, I was so similar to her in the sense that we collided so much. And that was just like, I had to get my freedom. I had to get out. I had this independence inside of me. And so I moved, I'd not far. I went from Tucson to Phoenix about, or Tucson to Tempe where Arizona state was about a hour and 20 minute drive at the most. And my mission then was, I think, a very classic young man's story was, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? And, and I loved my university experience. I loved the classes and the challenges and the freedom. I partied my head off, which was another thing that I loved doing. Like, I'm going to be honest, it was awesome. Like it was every night was a Friday night and just met tons of folks and ultimately set my sights on creativity, but more like product design, advertising. I studied industrial design while I was there after a brief stint of engineering and then did an internship at an agency and was like, I love this. I love being at an advertising agency. And so I was, I had plans to then once I graduated, move to Australia and work for BBDO, the agency of record for Nike down there. But my senior year of college, I found out I was going to be a dad. Well, wow. because that's your daughter who's now 12. So, right. wow. Was that a life changer? Like I know being a father, yes. Being in college, then figuring out like, oh, I'm going to be a father. What was that like for you in college? Well, let me paint this picture. Imagine you, Tony, you just come home from your you know summer job and it's late afternoon. You get a phone call from someone you haven't talked to in seven months and you answer and they say, hey, Russ, how's it going? I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're going to be a dad. And the baby's due in two months. So that was a shock. At least you got a two months warning. (laughs) Right. I mean, like it wasn't like two years later and it's like, oh, here's your two-year-old. But here's what you got to know about me is I didn't have a dad growing up. I had a couple father figures. My mom remarried once and there was a guy that I grew up with for about five years that was awesome. They didn't work out, but he was really committed to helping me and and then my dad is still around, but we never, you know, he's more like a friend. Like we weren't, he wasn't a father in the sense of a traditional sense. So because of that, I was always really committed, even from a young age. We talk about the younger Russ Perry. I was always really committed to, hey, when I'm going to be a dad, I'm going to be the best dad that I can be. I don't want my kids having to worry about all of the things that I had to deal with, visitation, arguments, child support, your dad sucks, blah, blah, blah. So regardless of the age, I was 22. Okay, Russ, this you've claimed this. You've said you're going to do this. Now here's your opportunity. I lost 
you know, my money on the Australia thing, which at the time it was like $3,000, which was so much more money than I could ever imagine that I saved up for to go down there. And I had to lose that money as on the deposit for the trip. And I just went all in on being a dad as best as I knew how. And not to say that it was easy, but I was really not worried about it. Like I was just like, okay, cool, let's do it. Like it just became part of me really quick of who my identity was. And now in hindsight, like I wouldn't change it for the world. My daughter's amazing. I have a life I love. And it's just one of the many things that happened on the path to where I'm at today. The uh, way you answered, I think is like how I wish more people would answer when you are like, hey, congratulations, you're going to be a father. We do have an opportunity as men to step up and take responsibility no matter what. And I think I love that even more. And that's like the word I wrote for you is respect. Because mm. so many people, so I had a call at three months saying like, hey, I'm going to have an abortion today. I didn't have a chance to get the other side of that conversation. I didn't have a chance to stop at anything. So I, I just have so much respect for you. I just want to tell you that. I just think yeah. that's commendable. Well, um, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say is thank you. First of all, that really, that, that means a lot to me. And it's also hilarious because in Arizona, because we weren't married, I was never with Maddox's mom. Uh, like I had no legal rights out of the gates. Like I had to actually go through the state and, and file a bunch of paperwork and establish joint custody for the first time that wasn't automatically assigned. And every time I was going through that process, every lawyer, every paralegal, even the counselor who ran the parenting class I legally had to attend, they were always so surprised at me. They're like, wait, you're not like court ordered for this? You're not like in trouble and have to do this? Like you're voluntarily going to established joint custody. And I was just like baffled. Like, yeah, of course. But to them, they don't see guys step up like that, which is ridiculous. But it was, it was always like a kind of a running like joke every time I had to do the next step in the process, because every time they would, they would ask like, well, what court ordered this? And I'm like, no courts ordered this. Like, wait, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, I'm like just doing this because I want to be her dad. Like I'm voluntarily doing this. Yeah. And the, the reason why I say respect is because you grew up, as you, you mentioned with not your father, you, you had a stepdad, but also like your dad is your friend. Like the real dad who brought you into the world is just like your friends. Right. And so I, I just I have this heightened sense of like, I can feel the feel of love today. And I know that you've gone on, you're married and you have other daughters and, and you've gone on to create this life for yourself. But you know, in that moment, when that phone rang, you have that opportunity and you chose to step up. And I think that's one of the biggest step ups as we climb up success mountain is at kind of just no matter where our life is, it may not be perfect is taking the step towards working on a better life. And I love right. that. Thank you. All right. So we're climbing up Success Mound today. We're talking with Russ Perry, one of the founders at Design Pickle. It's the number one unlimited and flat rate graphic design service in the world. But your story from 12 years until now has had some ups and some downs. Would you agree? <laughs> That's an understatement. But yes, I agree. <laughs> so as you uh, find out the news, you get the chance to hold your daughter Tell me a little bit about what the road looked like for you from that moment until maybe starting Design Pickle in 2015. Like I know that there's, you know, eight, nine years in between there, but give me an idea of what some of the roller coasters look like that you were on. Well, I was the like 
I had the annual pass to the roller coaster park. Let's just put it that way. I was the, the rode them all, whatever they were, from the kitty ones to like the Tower of Terror. But well, I think the best way to understand it, I started right after I had my daughter. And as much as I wish I was 100% dad every minute of the day, A, I wasn't with Maddox every minute of the day. I was only with her every other week. So every other week, I was back to a 22-year-old just who graduated college and trying to figure out life and date and all this stuff. So those were some crazy times. Like I was still going out. I was still drinking. and, And right around 18 months when Maddie turned like, I think 17, 18 months, I met now my wife, but we were, you know, just, hey, here's a friend of a friend. And real quick, like it was, it was a sign just from God, like this is the woman for you. I could go into tons of detail on how I knew that, but I never had that feeling with anyone. And I knew, I knew right away that I needed to tell her about Maddox because that was like a a big obvious thing. If I'm going to have a serious relationship, oh, by the way, I have a kid. So we, we did, and she was totally supportive and we got married less than two years later. And then from there, it was like real life then began once I got married, trying to figure out my career. I had doubled down on being an agency owner, creative agency. I had really put all my eggs into the entrepreneurial basket. Mika was working. And then we decided for her to stop working after our first child was born. And all the while, the fun party ASU tendencies that was happening when I was younger, they started to turn and they started to morph. And instead of it being like fun and celebration and going out, it quickly became addictive suppression, sedation from stress, from fights, from anything. And like just it w- it became this escapism habit. I wish I could say that that was all that it became was this like this, you know, this bad habit that I had, but with the mounting pressure that I had in my business, combined with a total lack of any modeling of you know what it is to be a dad, what it is to be married, what it is to be a great husband, and then just sheer stupidity that's fueled when you're drunk, I found myself wrapped up into an affair with one of my coworkers. It was the darkest time of my life. And when Reese, my first daughter with Mika, was born, two months into that, that affair was exposed. Yeah, that changes some some things really really quick. I uh, I can get exactly where you're at. I can relate. And you know, the cool part like I think this journey that we're on up Success Mountain is the things that that's why when I saw your name as an opportunity to have on as a guest, I jumped at it. I said, you know, there's so many similarities, there's so many things that I can relate to. And when I think about what life looks like Maybe this is beneficial, Russ, maybe this isn't, but did you almost feel like you were still growing up? Like you were like in the midst of it. You're like still playing, like maybe in high school or college. You're just like, cool, I got a kid, but like, I don't know if I'm like ready for all the other stuff to stop yet. Right. Is that relatable? 
It was. And I was, and I think entrepreneurism, like if you become an entrepreneur, you become a master of manipulating reality. You create your own, your brand and what people see and what people think. And you go to the barbecue, how's business? Business is great. Business is bad. Business is boobing. Like, like there's no way for anyone to fact check anything about what you're doing because most people aren't involved at all. So I was a master of manipulation and how good things were or how bad things were. And when things were bad, I drank, but I never, I never like took enough of a step back to say like, Hey, you do need to grow up. Like you need, you have this child. You've had this child for a long time. You're married. You're trying to build a lifetime together. It isn't just about the short term. And, and in hindsight, I think substances specifically, but any addiction, whether they're substances or they're more behavioral addictions, they short circuit our ability to navigate the long term. We're always just stuck in the short term. And that's why we do destructive things that in, you're like, look back, you're like, that is insane. I would have never done that. But we're not, we're literally our brain, our long-term frontal lobe parts, like it's turned off. So I do see that now, but in the middle of it, it was just like, hey, I'm making my bills. Oh, okay. Mika likes me. I have this beautiful wife. Oh, we're going to move to suburbia here in Phoenix. And oh, I got this cool account and this client and oh, maybe times are tough, but I'll have a new deal coming in. And it was just this like very shallow existence that I had settled for. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break on the Be Fulfilled show. We're leaving you on a cliffhanger for a reason because when we come back, Russ is literally hanging there and, and I'm hanging too. And I hope maybe you guys are because what we're going to find when we come back is how he launched Design Pickle, how he went out and designed kind of this new life for himself, the author of The Sober Entrepreneur. He's got a podcast, great guy to follow, just an interesting conversation. And we'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Beef of Hill show. My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and today we are talking to Russ Perry. And I said in the show, a lot of respect for this guy. He's been on a rocky road, lots of roller coasters, but he's found so much of what he didn't have growing up. He figured out how to become just the ultimate father. He figured out like this husband thing and the rocky road that it's been, but to really create something magical. You take all the business away. You take the relationships away. You take the kids away. You take everything away and you have to learn how to be. And that's what Russ is doing on this show today. He's really taking us through how to be that person that you always wanted to be. You maybe didn't know how to do it. He talks about his love from his education growing up from calculus teacher to art, you know, being that rule follower just to bend him just enough to get what he wants. He talked about manipulating to get what he wants. And we're going to be talking about sobriety and, you know, those types of things, because as an active alcoholic or somebody, that's something that you do. And even in sobriety, you can still do because you know how to get what you want because you've always figured out how to do it. So we're talking to Russ and welcome back to the show. Let's talk about Design Pickle. Let's talk about your passion and your purpose and really taking maybe that love as an early kid into ultimately an agency work. You talked about that being when you kind of got that opportunity. And then you rolled into 2015 and starting something big, which is now the number one graphic design service in the world. 
That's right. So I think where I want to start is actually kind of just a couple steps back is just there's no place in my life where I thought I'd be here today talking to you around these topics and these things, because obviously no one ever thinks that they're going to perform the actions and go through the challenges that they go through. But what I learned, and I think the biggest takeaway that I've had through all of this is it doesn't matter what your past has been at all, because it is all about what you're deciding right now. And for me, the affair that I had and the the challenges that I went through right after that was the wake up call of a lifetime in the sense that I was now, you know, I don't depend on how my age, like one fourth of the way through my life. And I had basically had nothing. Like I had no substance to it. My marriage, my relationships, I had some children, but I even wasn't showing up for them as the addictions and at the pressure and as, as my time away with the business and all of these things started to mount up. But when I made the decision to change, it was more like I'm choosing to just to be in control. And I'm choosing to just take control of my life for the first time in forever because I'd never felt that way. I mean, I was told I was going to have a child when I first, when I was, was younger. And like that to me was the first time, even though I had, I was in this pit, this dark pit of tears and depression and fuck, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to get married? Like, am I going to stay married? Am I repeating the habits of my dad? I actually had peace in all of that because I was taking control for the first time ever to say, okay, I'm going to, I do want to be married. I do want to be a great dad. I do want to, to have a life and a legacy and I'm going to move forward regardless of what the consequences might be because of what I've already done. Yeah, you stepped into your greatness. That's the potential in all of us. And so many times it's masked by things that we think we want, that it's way out there because we've kind of followed somebody else's path. We think that's our path. And I love the fact that, you know, from that respect and authentic piece that we talked about in the very beginning of finding your authenticity and speaking and living from it. I mean, that's what began to shape. It sounds like so much of who you are today is that you're like, shit, my past is my past. I screwed up, but it doesn't mean that I have to keep allowing myself to live in that space. And now you are designing a life that is worth thriving, living, and a legacy you're going to leave behind for your girls and something that you're going to inspire tons of change in the people and in the world. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hopefully that's what you're speaking because that's what I'm, I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know, I actually had a very real thing happen to me during this time that actually sometimes we've done symbolically. So I don't know if you've ever been to a conference, a leadership conference, a personal development conference, and they ask you to write your obituary. Like if you were to die today, what would it say? And it's a very sobering experience because you realize, oh, maybe I'm not living to my fullest potential, or maybe it's very, it's very emotional because you think about your kids and the legacy. Well, I actually had a book that my grandmother had written on my dad's side, and she had wrote about her life, her parents, and her grandparents who immigrated from Germany. And it was this real life she had since died, but it was this real life account of all of these people that I was related to. And for the most part, I'd say 75% of the men from her past that were older than her, as well as some of her cousins and other people that she talked about, 
the main thing she mentioned in this book wasn't that they were loving or caring or had this big family is that they were addicts. They were gamblers. They were, you know, deceitful. And it was so crazy because I read this book after the affair and I was like, I was so depressed and, and crazy enough. I hadn't stopped drinking. I was still sort of drinking too. I hadn't like connected those two things yet. I love the uh, sort of part. Like I was yeah. sort of kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you would think that you'd stop that too. But I read this and I, and it was like, I'd read it before, but I read it and I thought this is the only written account these men probably have on their life mm. ever in existence forever. And this is what was said about them. What will be said to me? what will be said about me if I was to die today? Like if that obituary thing really did happen, like what would it be? And that's when I knew I had to quit drinking. Like that was the moment where that final click happened. And with that came the responsibility, came the support, came the process of becoming sober, which is different for everyone else. However, the the connection that I think comes back full circle to the question about success is once I let go of the stories and the wrapper that substance and alcohol had around me, and even the affair and all of that, once I just existed, then it was where I discovered the truest version of myself, which was there all along. It was just under a big pile of shit. <laughs> You know, when I was getting ready to have the interview with you, kind of went through the process of trying to figure out as much as I could about you, right? So, because, you know, like you want to find fascinating facts about people. The things that you're speaking about today are so true and they're so apparent in your life about the evolution of change, right? Change just takes time and everybody wishes tomorrow was today because you know what, then I could be where I want to be. And I'm like, but if you got to think for a moment, I'm done with this instant gratification lifestyle. And when I look back at my life, my parents, my entire, on my father's side, there's only one person that I know of that wasn't an alcoholic in that lineage. And in a book too, that I was given from my grandfather who did die when I, when he was 64 and I was just a little kid at eight, he had a book about all the great things that his parents did and his grandparents did and this, but there wasn't the stories of like, this is what they're going to their legacy they're leaving. The coolest thing today, Russ, and I want you to take this to heart, and I don't care if another person listens but you, the stories that you are sharing today, the legacy you are creating for yourself, your wife, and your kids is a legacy that isn't built on sand, but it is built on a firm foundation because you are living proof that if you want to change, change is available to anyone and you've chosen to drink from the change cup today versus the cup that you used to choose to drink from, which was poison, and it has no power unless you choose to pick it up. And so I'm so proud. Like It brings me such great joy. It gives me goosebumps that you are up for a change because I think that's the piece that I think all of us fucking want when we are little kids is right. I just want to be I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I wish my dad was around. I used to sit waiting for my dad to come home, which my parents divorced when I was three months old, and wait for my dad to pick me up outside, and he never came. And my right. sister and I built those stories. I'm so glad that through all of the crap that you had to go through, all of the ups and the downs, and I'm talking to the new Russ, because the old Russ in my life is probably not the new Russ. The new Russ is this person who says, like, I'm going to admit my faults. I'm going to clear away the wreckage of my past. And I'm going to show to you that it's possible. And I want to help you do the same. Well, the foundation that you speak of is the foundation of truth. Yep. 
period. That's a sip. We could talk and blabber for hours about all these stories and anecdotes and things, but like if anyone's listening, save yourself a lot of heartbreak from both you and I, Tony, like both of me and Tony's experiences, just start living in the truth. Yeah. And that's why you said authenticity from the very beginning. And that's the truth, right? And that's why, man, like it was just like a couple of weeks ago, I'm sitting at your passing your booth at TNC and everybody's handing me pickles. And I'm like, pickles. So now we're <laughs> going to talk about pickles. Let's talk about design pickle because I want to, I want to do some good and mention just a phenomenal company. And then I want to get into kind of your mission with the Russ Perry show and also the sober entrepreneur book and everything that you're up to. I want to help you sell more than 10,000 copies. I want to help your message get out to the masses and help to change more lives. That's what my commitment is for the rest of the show. So I'll just jump right into where did the pickle come from? The aftermath of everything left me in the best place I could possibly be, which was that of a clean slate. I lost my business. I had no friends that I used to hang out with because I stopped drinking and you lose them pretty quickly. <laughs> and, and I had no money because I lost it all in the business. And I literally had a brand new clean slate that lied before me. And now this was very scary at the same time. It wasn't just rainbows and unicorns. I was, I was freaking out. And this was, well, it's chronologically we're, we're up to 2014. This is kind of where, where we're at all the other stuff that we mentioned, those dark parts were like 2011, 2012. I got sober in 2013. So 2014, here I am looking ahead. I'm like, well, what's next? And the first thing that I needed to do was just start paying the bills. So I did that and I did it in the only way I knew how, which was just being kind of a creative consultant. I needed, you needed help with a website. I'll help with your website. You need help with some design. I'll help you with design. I was a one-man agency, but then again, that's all I had done. And out of that arose a little nuanced process to manage production design. So we're talking about the things that are relatively straightforward to explain, like in an email. Hey, I just hired five new employees. Can you design these business cards for them? Or I'm going to a trade show. Here's the dimensions of our pop-up booth graphics that we need. Can you design something for that? And so with my consulting, I actually had these types of design projects automated through a software and some external vendors. Well, that just started to work best. It was the easiest part of the business. Clients were happy. I didn't have to do anything. And I thought like, wow, I wonder if this alone could be a business and a business that I could scale much like a software. Uh, A few books later, a few coaching calls later with various people I was working with, I made a run for it. I I started to conceptualize how this would work. We decided, I decided on like a subscription payment model, namely because I never wanted to chase an invoice down again. I just wanted to automatically be paid. And in January, 2015, Design Pickle was born. The branding process, I love pickles and designpickle.com was available. Done. That was how we decided the name. <laughs> there was no, there was no strategy at all about it. It just sweet. Are you a pickle. sweet pickle guy? Dill pickle guy? Dude, Come. Dill pickles. Of course, dill pickles, sweet pickles. I mean, I love all pickles, but sweet pickles are the lowest on the list. All right. I like it. Okay, man. I got to tell you, you know, the process getting up success mountain, coming back down and, and we're going to, we're going to jump into the fulfillment route in just a minute, but two things, the Russ Perry show. And then I saw that it pivoted and morphed a little bit and something transformed after a meeting with John Lee Dumas. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then just kind of the book that you pushed out to the world right. and how I can help support your mission and the audience can too. Great. Well, so you, you want to talk about the JLD meeting? Cause that was actually pretty cool yeah. uh, getting to work there. So yeah. So one thing I believe too, is I'm never shy to pay for access. 
And that could be with a program like Wake Up Warrior that I'm involved in, an entrepreneur like John Lee Dumas, a very successful podcaster. So he had an opportunity to work with him for a day. So I invested in it. It was $10,000 for the day. I was like, wow, this is it's a lot of money, but it was amazing. And here's the irony. Everything we talked about coming out of that and looking through my notes, none of it was rocket science. Like none of it was like, here, Russ, here's the magic formula for success that only I know. It was a really, really one-on-one stuff. But the first five minutes we meet up in San Diego and he sits down, we sit in, we're in kind of this kind of ghetto co-working spot. As I was walking to the co-working spot, a homeless guy showed me some blood stains on the concrete of where someone was stabbed the night before. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for that tour guy. <laughs> so I get to the co-working spot and he said, Russ, I love your Russ Perry show. You're good on camera. You have good vibe. Your the quality is great. He said, you stand for nothing. There's no purpose. There's no reason why anyone's going to watch that show. It's too generic and vanilla. And my heart sank. And the mm. reason it sunk is because I knew he was right. And here I was, I don't know, 15, 16 episodes in, all this money and time and team invest into it. And knowing that all of those 15 or 16 episodes were just plain Jane, vanilla, blah. But out of that was the why sober equals success tagline. And the commitment that we came to that I'm now committed to is, is making this show 100% about a conversation around sobriety every week. And it could be directly, it could be my stories, it can be things I do on a daily basis or more details on the Sober Entrepreneur book. But becoming the best at something requires you to have a niche, to have a focus. And that's what I lacked. And to me, that was worth every penny spending with them because I felt so much clarity and and I felt like it was really, again, in that alignment. Like I now was being so much more authentic than being the generic business advice guy. There right there is the million dollar takeaway or the, at least the $10,000 takeaway. So you, you could, could spend time with JLD <laughs> or you could just realize the one thing, find your meaning, find your purpose, right? And there, some help is sometimes needed because we have blind spots and we can't see for ourselves. So Russ said, hey, I'm going to make the investment. The best investment is one in yourself because that helps you to see kind of a new path. And then allowing somebody to rock your world and not run because that's fight or flight. I see it. It's not good. I'm out of here. But I'm so glad you stayed. I'm so glad that it allowed that wave of emotion, that roller coaster to kind of stop for a moment just so you could get that message out. Because now that's that self that you've been fighting to have. And now you just get to be that guy. And that's so cool because that's, that's the vibe that you're putting off to me. That's the guy. So if it's, it's only been a short period of time and just making that change, that's one of the necessary changes for growth. And we were talking at the intermission about some stuff that I need to work through. And he's like, I'm going to hold you to that. And that's the kind of stuff we need to do is help each other get to that next place. Now, here's an interesting thing. And I tell everybody this, there's nowhere to get, there's nowhere to get all the money in the world, all the things that you want. There's no, all that could be over just like that. So stay and be present today and watch how the beginning journey transforms into something that you never even imagined. Absolutely. So the sober entrepreneur, which is an amazing just concept, right? We want to wrap up in a minute, but I got to ask you two tough questions, right? Question number one, why are you an authority to write a book around the sober entrepreneur? So that's the first question. (laughs) And second, what can I do to help you get at least 
10,000 copies or more out of your book in 2018 because that's one of your missions. I saw it on your website mm-hmm. is to get this book in more people's hands. And once this show is over, I'm going to make four or five introductions who I can already believe that I could get tons of these books sold today. Awesome. So I'm going to do that. So number one, why are you an authority? Because I wrote the book, damn it. That's why. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you show me any other person who's wrote the book and you, they could be the authority. But, you know, I think being the authority or being the expert just is, is the commitment to it. And that's what I've been committed to. And, and I'm getting better at being committed to it because, like, I'm not perfect around it. But the book itself, interestingly enough, is one part memoir for my family. Mm. And so that they have a diff- they have their own book about me and my life. And the other part is for the practical guy or gal to realize that any addiction, whether it's alcohol, whether it's exercise, pornography, even working on your business, that there is such a cost to that if you're not careful that over one, two, five, ten years could strip away so much your relationships, your morality, your health, and you don't have to go through that. And so that was why I wanted to write this book was to paint the everyday story of someone who's been to the pit of the pit and gotten out and also built really without exaggerating the life of my dreams, but I'm, I did it without any special gift. I did it without any crazy detox, you know, sanctuary program. Like I just did it through simple things that I outlined in my book. And you've been to the, the recovery programs. They're not the most positive places at times. No. They're, they're pretty depressing. And, and I am now, and I haven't really talked about this much, but I, I will declare it here. I believe that the next phase of my mission is to create the next generation of what AA is designed to do, but for today's generation, to where it's a recovery sobriety program that instead of just fixing you and keeping you in this status, the stasis of like, let's keep focusing on like, don't become an out, don't do it, don't become an alcoholic. Like, remember, like, let's acknowledge the fact that actually we can move beyond that and and create and move forward. And I want to do that actually through the Wake Up Warrior program that I'm a certified trainer, and they have a lot of great great models for that. But I'd like to just make the sober term and a program around it something that that the modern man can identify with and they don't feel like it's this archaic stigma that they have to have that, hey, with another alcoholic, you can be like, yeah, bro, 12-step sponsors, yeah, fist bump, whatever. But outside of that, you're sort of like, you know, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, not everyone is as vocal about it as you and I are. Yeah, well, recovery isn't sexy and that's been the stigma. Like if you tell somebody you're in recovery, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But yet behind the scenes, they're probably dealing with three or four people in their lives that are in recovery or addicts. And so there's this, it's this black or white thing. And I totally agree, man. I I got some great ideas. Like I said, once this episode's over, you're going to get a couple amazing people in your life that literally are going to bring complete change to your theories, meaning they're going to help you to change that goal into how the steps to make it happen. All right. So thank you. First and foremost, the respect, the authenticity, who you are, how you show up, the person you choose to be today, 
the father to three girls, the husband, the design pickle, the book, all of that is absolutely incredible for you to be sitting here talking to me today when I know what life could have been like, which is a completely different Russ. And so just thank you for doing that. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. So we're going to have some fun. It's the fulfillment round. These questions have no value. There's no phone a friend. There's no, I don't know. You make up the answer. Damn it. This is a show of fun and fulfillment. And then I've got two questions at the end and we'll wrap up the show in just a couple minutes. Are you ready for the fulfillment round? I am ready. All right. Your favorite word so far you've learned in Italian. Molto bene. Very nice. The sexy word is allora. Um, <laughs> what's a couple things about your day that you just absolutely can't wait to get involved in? Mm, it's not my Italian lesson. We've established that. I love the sauna. <laughs> I have one at my gym and I, have, I cannot wait to get involved into my sauna. <laughs> All right. I like that. If I was to take a sneak peek into your cassette tape, your CD player, your Audible account, what are some things maybe I would find? You're going to find tons of sci-fi books. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I love all sorts of books, especially the Expanse series, which is one that I've been really into. You'll also find really vulgar hip hop, which I'm a little like torn about how this reconciles in my life, really hardcore stuff. And one day I'm going to have to explain this to my children or my church. Like, I'm not sure. And then I am really trying right now currently to get into more like biographies. So Walter Isaacson just did the Leonardo da Vinci one. And I'm just, I'm, I saw Hamilton recently and I picked that up. So I'm really trying to learn from our past, which I've not done a good job with. No, I like it. I can relate to the hip hop totally. I'm still like, I was rocking Grandmaster Flash yesterday, too short. I mean, like in two minutes, I can be back in the, the 80s and hip hop <laughs> all over again. So I love that. Favorite thing to do besides a sauna, hang out with your wife and your kids, not working. It's just you. You get to pick the option. What is something that it's like for you? It just is a total, just a great escape. <laughs> video games. I love video games. So what kind of I, games? What kind of games? like solo by myself games like fallout for uh, elder scrolls role-playing games things where where if you're watching it you're just like what are you doing like my wife actually is from japan she grew up in japan when mario and nintendo yep. was released she's like i'm used to collecting coins and an objective to this video game whatever you're doing you're just like running around like opening doors and drawers <laughs> and collecting random things like she doesn't get it but it's a total escape and uh, i still like 20 minutes a night it's like a weird meditation session for me yep i can totally relate a couple more questions and then we'll hit you out of the park okay if there was five foods that you needed to live on for the rest of your life five foods not five ingredients what five foods would you choose oh yeah this is a good one okay first is okonomiyaki which is a japanese dish it's like a cabbage pancake batter it's hard to explain but it's basically like a pancake that you can put any toppings on bacon, fish, shrimp, whatever. It's a delicious. It's from Osaka. So Okonomiyaki is one. Pizza, no explanation required. I love enchiladas or even better huevos rancheros. I'm actually going to change my answer to huevos rancheros. And then almond butter and green smoothie. I really am down with the green smoothies. Down with the green smoothie, the pizza. I get it. 
It's all good stuff. All right. So what we'll do is we will ask one more question. This question's out of the fulfillment round. So congratulations. You made it. You're unscathed. You survived. It's not that tough. Most people get like all freaked out. I'm like, it's called fulfillment. Um, (laughs) It's just to have some fun and just get to know you a little bit better. I asked the question in the very beginning. You answered with authenticity. Today, we went on a journey. You were able to be very candid, opened up. You shared a lot about who you are, what you're about, and some of the stuff in between that brought you to where you're at. But I asked the question just to recap. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your definition of success after our conversation today? Well, I think you've inspired me a bit, Tony, into this next answer. It's having the courage to live in that truth. That is not easy. And those who are the most successful, those that we revere and and admire, they have a lifetime of pursuing the truth against odds, against haters, against the consequences, against the doubters. And they are successful as a result of that. I just want to say, man, it's been awesome to have you on the show. It's been great. And in the show notes today, we'll put links to your website, your personal website, Design Pickle. We'll put links for the sober entrepreneur. And definitely my team and I, we're going to figure out how to help you sell a lot of books because I think the it's not about the selling, it's about the sharing and the concepts and the ideas. And yes, it's a legacy you're leaving, the person you're choosing to be. But it's been an inspiring conversation. And I hope, Russ, that it's been something for you as well. So I just want to say thanks. Is there a good way, like one way, like, Hey, follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn. Like this is the best way to find me that people can kind of connect to you because your message is going to resonate for so many. I need everyone to go to Instagram, Russ Perry and follow me. Cause I, I want to beat my wife in followers. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Russ Perry's and, telling, I'm going to beat my like, wife. And I'm gonna go there's, to that. That, there's contact information and links to this, but cool. that's the secondary reason you should go. I love it. I love it. I love the attitude. I want to win today, no matter what. And I want to beat my wife along the way. (laughs) My wife beats her Instagram game is way better than mine. So I love that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, his name is Russ Perry. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. This has been another episode of the Be Fulfilled Show. The real stories behind success, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today absolutely the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.